If you're not just a little weird, you're not doing it right. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Kester, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. The people of God don't do things differently just to be different, but as we're heading in the opposite direction of the world, sometimes our normal is going to be their abnormal and vice versa. Yesterday, we got a live demonstration of baptism and touched on the topic of foot washing. Today, we'll hear about some more unique practices of the church. Here's the conclusion of a sermon Pastor Jim calls, The People of God Are Peculiar, Part 1. Jesus said this, John chapter 13. Jesus said, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to be humble with one. No, that's not what it says. It says, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, if you're from West Virginia and you didn't get it, he continues by saying, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't know of any command in Scripture that Jesus gave that's clearer than that. And he goes on to say that if you do these things, you'll be blessed for doing them. Why do we wash one another's feet? Well, we do that in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you say, I thought he was teaching humility. Humility is not even mentioned in the passage. He didn't say, I've shown you how to be humble. He said, I've washed your feet, and I've washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. I've told you how, and I've shown you how, and you say, I'm Lord and Master, so get with the program. Do it. I don't know what to be clearer than that. It's peculiar, yeah, but it's not strange. Earlier in the passage, Jesus had said to Peter, when Peter said, Lord, you won't wash my feet, Jesus said, now, Peter, look. If I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. You mean to tell me that what you just saw here between Steve and Bill is, is somehow, somehow connected with their relationship with Jesus Christ? Uh-huh, yeah, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if I wash thee not, thanks, fellows, talking about their feet, you and I don't have the relationship that's symbolized by this service. And it's not salvation. That's, we've already had the bath, Jesus explained. He that has had a bath has been saved. You don't, you don't need to go back and have another bath, but you do need to have your feet washed. Now, Jesus isn't here today, but he wants you to have your feet washed in his name. So who gets to be Jesus to you? Turn around to your neighbor and say, you are Jesus for me. Go ahead. You are Jesus for me. Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that when you wash your neighbor's feet, you are doing to him as he did to the disciples because he wants your feet washed. And he wants me to serve you in washing your feet. To remind you of a relationship that we have with each other and with him. Strange? Well, no. Different? Yeah. Yeah, different. 
Oh, you see, that's, that's what they did in the first century. That's right. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of literature that tell us that the early church did this. Did it as a part of their regular communion services. Well, but we don't wear sandals anymore. Well, Jesus didn't say a thing about sandals, did he? He's talking about feet. You still have feet? If you don't have feet, you're dismissed from this. If you have feet, Jesus said, you ought to wash one another's feet. You ought to have your feet washed. Why? Because it teaches us about his work for us and our relationship with each other. Someone once said that because God couldn't be everywhere, he invented mothers. That's not true. But the sentiment is that uh, God created mothers to do some things for him that he chose not to do directly for himself. And we could paraphrase that and say that because, because God can't be everywhere, he created disciples. And disciples are supposed to do for each other, in Jesus' name, what Jesus wants to do for them physically, but he's in heaven, sitting on the throne, in his body there. And in his absence, he assigns to you and to me the wonderful privilege, the task, the responsibility of serving each other and washing one another's feet. In Luke chapter 21, 22, we read about the Lord Jesus Christ uh, taking the disciples in the upper room. And uh, Steve, you want to help me with this? Hold that for just a second. And in Luke, we're told that Jesus commanded the disciples there to do something too. It's Luke chapter 22, and it starts here. The verses we're looking for are verses 19 and 20. Listen to this. In the upper room, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Well, have you done that in remembrance of him? My wife is rather upset if her birthday or our anniversary goes by and I don't do something in remembrance of her in that relationship. Yet uh, Jesus said that we're to come together and in memory of him, we're to eat bread. Now, Steve's all mic'd up and he, he has a great answer to this question. Steve. <laughs> I'm scared to death to do it. Okay, go ahead. No, no, no. Give it a try. Right. What, what do you think it means when Jesus said, this bread is my body? What, what are we supposed to learn from that? I think this part is so, this is family. This is so family. It's a relationship. This represents uh, Christ to me, what he did. Uh, I think that's the picture I get from this. This is the commonness of all that he is. The necessity I have to have bread to live, I need him to live. This is so much what I did to accept Christ. I took him in. This is amazing to me. It pictures a lot of things to me. Okay. Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you take half of that? All right. 
and, and go down there and just let a couple of people have a piece of that. Would you break can, it off with? I can do that. Yeah, just go ahead. Just go down there. Anywhere. Too. Just go down there and uh, invite some people. Now, what you're going to see is there could be some people included and some people left out. <laughs> uh, we, we can't get to all of you. Uh, but uh, Steve's uh, just inviting some people to take a bit of the bread. And in just a moment, uh, we're going to do what Jesus said. We are going to eat this bread as a memorial to him for all that he did for us in his body. By the way, you remember that in the Passover, a lamb was killed? Do you remember that? Remember that? And the blood of the lamb was put on the outside the door. Remember that? Remember that? What happened to the carcass of the lamb? They ate it. Hmm? Think there's a parallel between that and this? Yeah. Yeah. This is a reminder and a symbol of the life that Jesus Christ gives to me by his death. And in order to do that, he had to become a man. Become a man. Now, all of you who, with Steve and me, Eat that, would you? Now, would you stand up if you ate the bread? Now, you see, what we have here, we, we, have, a, we have a little click here. <laughs> these, these, are the, these are the people who share a common experience through the bread. Now, we did this deliberately to make the point that are you in or are you out? See? This is one of the ways you show everybody else, in addition to baptism, in addition to feet washing, one of the ways you show everybody else that you're in, and one of the ways that you have a common experience. Now, you ask any of these people after the service, what was it like? And they can tell you, but you can't tell me what it was like because you didn't get any of the bread, right? Isn't that mean? Sorry to do that to you. Thank you. You all can be seated. It's important. It's important that I regularly receive the bread that is specifically dedicated to reminding me of the flesh of the Lamb of God, which at Calvary was sacrificed for me. And my life is dependent upon that, my spiritual life. Just as food physically keeps my physical body alive, so food spiritually, the bread of his body, his life, keeps me alive. Steve, can I have you one more time? Here's a, here's a couple of cups. Uh, take those two, and that's good orange juice. Pick out two people and, and uh, share that juice with them. And look, we read that after the meal, Jesus took a cup. This is after the meal's over. And um, he said, uh, I want you to take this. I want you to drink it. And he said, this cup is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. That's far more truth than we could discover and talk about if we spent the whole day here. There's a couple of things I want you to notice. Now, I have orange juice this morning. That upsets some people. Some people think it ought to be wine. Some people think it should be grape juice. Some people think it should be something else. But 
In the Bible, when it's talking about the cup that Jesus served afterwards, the emphasis is not on the juice, it's on the cup. You know why? Because the content of the cup doesn't matter. I'm not drinking Jesus' blood. That would be grotesque. And that's not the point of the cup. It's not that the juice becomes his blood. The cup becomes a symbol of the new covenant. Now, what I was going to do and didn't, what I was going to do was, I poured this juice into my cup, and I had a cup of coffee earlier. You can see the stain. So all my germs are already mixed in here. <laughs> now, I didn't, did, did, you, you got the pure stuff. Yeah, it's a plain cup, and you got the pure juice. Yours went in there. But I was thinking it'd be interesting, since I have the flu, The point is, whatever's in the cup communicates to all the people who are drinking the cup the same thing. Get it? You get it? Raise your hand. If I gave them my germs, they would get my flu, right? How would they get it? Drinking the cup. What's in the cup? The blessings of the New Testament. They are legion. And as we drink this, we are saying that we are sharers in all the blessings that God put in the New Testament. Or if you like it the gross way, Jesus put his germs in the cup. And all of us who drink that cup share his germs and get the benefits of his life. That makes sense? Do it. As oft as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. When's the last time you drank the cup? He commanded it. It's for our blessing. One more thing. Steve, again, will help me. In James chapter 5, the Lord Jesus gives through James instruction to us about a service that's called the anointing service. Steve will do it while you're watching him. Listen. James 5.14, is anyone among you sick? The word means debilitated. It's a word which means lacking energy, lacking strength. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. You knew who they are. And let them, the elders, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. That's what it says. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much.
This is a private, personal experience. We don't do this publicly. I would guess that the elders have a ministry like this in the lives of people from our church who call several dozen times, maybe hundreds of times throughout the year. You don't hear about it. It's not something that belongs in the bulletin. It's not anti-medicine. It's pro-faith. It's not the last rites, something you do just before you die. It's something that you do while you're still very much alive. It's a response that God provides for us when we need his special touch. You don't think anything at all of calling the doctor. You don't think anything at all of going to the emergency clinic. You don't think anything at all of going to the hospital, and that's appropriate. There's nothing wrong with that. You should not think anything at all peculiar about doing this. Now, I have a lot of personal experience with this in my own life. Remember in 1984, I was in the hospital and very, very, very sick. Uh, best doctor in the world taking care of me. Best facilities around me. Things weren't going as good as they should have gone. So I called for the elders of the church. They came. And they did for me what you just saw enacted here. And God raised me up. Now, I don't have new arteries in my legs. <laughs> and there's damage in my lungs and damage in the places where I had those blood clots. It's still there, and my feet still swell, and if I'm not careful, my legs will swell and sound like an old man, don't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The point is, God didn't give me new veins, but God did raise me up. And I'm here today on borrowed time. I would be curious to know this morning, how many of you have called for the elders of the church, they have come, anointed you with oil, and you're still here today to testify about it? Would you stand up? I'm already standing. So if you had that experience, just stand up with me. Just, just, just stand, just quietly stand. Now look around, folks. Look around. Just, just look around. Go to any of these people and ask them, can you tell me what happened? And let their testimony encourage you. Would all of you stand, please? The people of God are peculiar. We are peculiar because we want to obey the things that Jesus said. Feet marching? Yep, what he said. You got to be kidding. No, but I never argue with him about it. I just figure he's smarter than I am, so I'll do it. Been a great blessing to my life. Bread and cup? Yep, he said to do it. Wow. I've done it in Africa, France, Germany. I've done it in... Spain, I've done it in Israel, I've done it in Jordan, I've done it in Egypt. <laughs> All kinds of different bread. I've done it in West Virginia. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've done it all kinds of places, but I've never done it without coming away with a blessing. Always. A blessing that you'll miss if you don't do it. Anointing with oil.
I hope you never have to call for the elders. But if you do, don't be embarrassed. They're not healers. And they don't come as doctors and physicians. They come as elders of the church in obedience to what Jesus has said in his word so that you might receive the blessing of his promise when he said, the Lord shall raise him up. Father in heaven, there's so many blessings within the cup of the covenant that are ours for the taking, but they come through obedience. We must obey. And to just go through the empty rote, mechanical, physical, is to miss it. Fill our hearts with a hunger to study, to study the contract, to find out what you've given us in this marvelous, wonderful covenant. It's signed in blood. All of its provisions are by grace. They're gifts. All of its intent is to bring blessing and good to us. So, Father, give us the courage to Ignore our neighbor's stare and not be intimidated by someone's skepticism or cynicism who think us peculiar. But give us the courage to just do it. Because you command it, because we love you. There's someone here this morning who has never opened their heart to you and invited you to be Lord and Savior. Please draw them to make that marvelous commitment. And if in any of our hearts there are rebellious thoughts, please forgive us, cleanse us, and make us obedient. Bless this people as they honor you by doing all you command us to do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, God bless you. Go do it. Baptism, foot washing, sharing the bread and the cup, anointing the sick. These aren't things you'll find just anyone doing on a random street corner on your average Tuesday. It's important for us to be clear on these distinctively Christian practices. We've been listening to Jim and some helpers in this message, The People of God Are Peculiar, Part 1. If you'd like a copy, you can own it on CD for a gift of $7 or more. It's part of a series called The People of God, and you can get all 17 sermons in that study on disc for an offering of $59 or more. We're humbled to be part of a ministry that's been on the air for 55 years. It's always important to speak the truth, but it seems these days almost as if our survival depends on it. If truth is important to you, please pray and contribute to help provide for the needs of Right Start. And thanks to our faithful family. To help or to order CDs, mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. 
And please visit our website, rightstartradio.org, where you'll have many choices for hearing Jim's talks. You can play radio programs going back several years and play or download complete sermons. There's a link to the Right Start podcast on iTunes, and you can make a contribution at rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. This message sparked some questions from the congregation, so Jim will address those in a follow-up message. Enjoy your weekend, and let's meet together again for Monday's Right Start. Thank you.